You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. I've been so, I don't want to quite, stress is not quite the right word, but I've been late for every single thing <laughs> for, the, for the past two weeks since this stupid article came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you been and sleeping at all? <laughs> no, no. Like it was like I was going to go to sleep around 10 yesterday. And then I saw that someone I knew very well, who was like a friend for decades, wrote an article just totally trashing me and saying everything they knew about me, which was not, which was weird. Like it wasn't like they knew anything bad about me, but so they had to make stuff up and but stuff like this is happening constantly, either good or bad. And then I'd wake up early. I was on um, um, Jim and Sam's show. And of course, Jim Norton, I went to high school with. So it's yeah, always yeah. like hanging out with friends when I, when I go on that show. And then, and then there's just, I don't know what people think. Like I got a, another death threat, like, you know, get the hell back to Iowa. Uh, you're what? not even a New Yorker. <laughs> what? Like, 
Iowa. <laughs> yeah, I took, I had to take, fortunately, I carry my birth certificate around. So I took a photo of my birth Great certificate. Great lesson we've all learned from the Obama administration. Exactly. I'm, I, I was being, I'm, I'm being attacked by birthers. And uh, I, I took a picture of my birth certificate and sent it to the guy. I'm born and raised in, in, I was born in Manhattan, raised right around Manhattan, and I've been in Manhattan and New York City my entire adult life. So, and like someone wrote an article who did know me and said, no, when I added up, he's been in New York 12 years or 12 whatever. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, first off, it's wrong. Like I didn't, I, one thing I learned is that in general, don't respond at all to any negativity, like yeah. just completely ignore it. No matter who they are, no matter how close they were, no matter, no matter what buttons are being pressed. But I was thinking to myself, a, where is this math coming from? I've, I've, my adult life kind of at post-college life started in 1994. I've been in New York for 26 years, yep. and not to mention being born and being a baby here and, and so on. And Second off, who cares? Like in my <laughs> article, I mention all true stories about my own personal love affair with New York, like why I love it so much. But then these are real problems yeah. that are occurring. Like I'm not making them up. I source, it's real data. And I maybe added one thing to the discussion, which is that the effect of increased bandwidth on remote work. Yeah. But, you know, why do you think... There's been other anti-New York articles. Like, why do you think, and we're going to get to Side Hustle Fridays, by the way, in a second, <laughs> audience. <laughs> but why do you think, Brendan, you're, you're, you just wrote the power Bible about persuasion yeah. and frame control. Have I lost kind of macro frame here somehow? Or like what, what I, I do admit, this is the one article I've probably ever written where I didn't really have, and I thought this when I hit publish, this was the one thing I was afraid of when I hit publish was that every other article I've written has like some hope, some optimism. And this one didn't. On to. Yeah. This one didn't because I'm legitimately concerned. I'm raising a family in New York City. Like these are problems and they're hard problems. So maybe that was it. Like, I don't know. And there's other articles. Actually, though. it's it, this is interesting, James, because I think um, first of all, I, there's, there's like two things I want to say at, right before I even jump into the frame stuff. But like the first one is that you, I'm like kind of in awe because you became a national story of your own creation. Like just, just stepping back. It's not like, it's like you, you became, you created this entire situation, which is like amazing. Like that alone yeah. is spectacular. I think. Right. Like somehow or other, it became the Jerry Seinfeld versus James Altucher feud. Like, like, if, like if, a friend. If you, <laughs> I, that's what it became. Like I had people forwarding me articles who they were like, hey, this is the guy who just wrote the forward for your book, right? They're like, why does, what the hell? Like Jerry Seinfeld, like what? Like Jerry Seinfeld? And I was like, if, if, if you had sat me down and said, what do you think the craziest thing that's going to happen in 2020 is? At the beginning of the year, I would have never got, first of all, I would have never guessed anything that was happening. But the, but the last item on that list would be like, hey, one of my comedy heroes is going to go after one of my mentors. Like, like what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, like why Jerry Seinfeld? Like, like I'm, I'm, I've been a comedian for just five years, own part of a comedy club, but it could have been anybody from any other industry would have probably written actually a good editorial against me. Like there's things to say, but he, but then Jerry Seinfeld, the king of comedy, wrote 
essentially kind of a weird personal attack. It didn't really, I mean, I understand his, his, you know, what he's saying about the energy of a city and, and grit. And clearly he loves the city just like we do, but I don't, I don't, that's a whole other question. Like, oh, which yeah. I'll never get the answer. This was yeah. why he wrote this way. It was kind of a, a, not the professional way to do this, Yeah. but, but, but yeah, like one friend of mine wrote me, a friend of mine who really believes that we're in a VR simulation and, uh, and he has a lot of math behind it and theories. And he even said to me, see, like you wake up on a Monday morning, Jerry Seinfeld is attacking you in the New York Times, <laughs> and it's just another normal day in 2020. <laughs> this is this is literally like I said this to you when I was emailing you or whatever, messaging you on Twitter. I think I was like, "What?" It feels like somebody's playing the game of Earth, and they have gotten so bored into the 90s that they just they, they were like, "You know what?" As soon as we get into the aughts and then the 2010s, I'm just gonna start hitting random disaster and see like what happens in the game <laughs> like <laughs> yeah this is this madness the um the, yeah. this is the craziest year but the but i want to here's something i want to mention though is because i think that part of why this article blew up in my opinion is it, it, oh i didn't even say i so i'm like still you know i'm still doing sales for this uh startup that i'm consulting with and i do you know with some some consulting in a few different areas but it it's fascinating because i'll call up people and have cold calls with people who will mention your article out of nowhere. I have, they have, they have, don't know who insane. I am. They have no idea. And they'll just be like, by the way, do you think, are you guys headquartered in New York? Do you think New York's dead? And I'm like, are you referring to the James Altucher article? And they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's been really thought provoking. I don't really know what to think. And I'm like, this is the, what? Like, <laughs> that is, that is insane. And you know, look, I like it when my articles are read. Every writer likes that, but I would, I, totally did not plan this. I, I just, to make it clear, I don't like this, like bad things have been happening to me as a result. Like it's been yeah. very, I've had, I guess the good thing is if you try to take a positive from everything and, and you, you know, you're the author of the, the stoic salesman. So this is yep. I'm a, taking a page <laughs> from your book, like being stoic about it. I am honestly learning to have a thicker skin. I mean, family has been upset at me. Good friends have been really upset and you know, it's like my life's changed in the past two weeks and trying to just find a good light on it is, uh, I guess more people are aware of, of my writing now. Some like it and, uh, some don't. And, but also I, maybe I build a thicker skin as a result because I've had to really not get mired down in, you know, just looking at every thread that's been negative. And, and by the way, like when someone, when you call outside the city and someone brings up the article, do they, they don't hate me, right? No, 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 no. I think a lot of people, so that was going to be the point that I was going to get to is I think that, you know, look, I, when, you know, I've been talking, as Bill and I talk about all kinds of stuff, but we've obviously been talking about this. And I guess one of the things I just want to mention about it is part of the reason I think you actually still are controlling the frame of this. So there's two things from a frame perspective that came up. First of all, is it's like Jerry Seinfeld is in, and I don't mean this as a slight against you. He is way higher status than you are. <laughs> yes, I'm nobody. <laughs> like he is, he's he's, he's on the Jerry, top. He's Jerry of the comedy. <laughs> Yeah, he's on the top of the comedy pyramid, and like he's on the top of the. I mean, he's like a billionaire, and he's he's uh, uh, the most successful TV show ever. Ever the most successful, maybe the most successful. I mean, depending on who you talk to, he's at least at least top five greatest comedians ever he's super successful yeah. he's like the guy's amazing and so for him to be like i'm 
for him to feel the need to write this article or however it happened, even his like PR people or whatever, it's like it instantaneously raised your status because that would be like, like if Donald Trump wrote a tweet about me, I would be, like, it'd be like, why did Donald Trump write a tweet about this dude who just authored this book? Like why, what possible right. motivation did, would he have? Because it's, it's like it, 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 it raised yours. It either implicitly raised your status or it lowered his status. And either way, it was like strange because I, some of the um, articles that I was reading about it were saying like, you know, they were like, you know, James Altucher's article, I think it can accurately be described. And by the, and I will, we will talk about Side Hustle Friday. Sorry to like sidetrack yeah. this, but. No, no, this is, I, I, I need help. I need therapy. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, the, the, so it was like, you know, the, the article I think accurately can be described as a, um, you know, a loose collection of James Altucher's thoughts and feelings about the situation in New York, which he feels is dire. And I, I like, I think that's a pretty accurate description of your article. And you're like, why Jerry Yeah, and Seinfeld I tell my story of being in New York. Like I was at the World Trade Center on 9-11. I was at the building and I lived right there. Yeah. You know, I lived on Wall Street during the financial crisis. Like I get grit. I lived, I am, live in New York and I was in all through the pandemic and the protests, everything. I was at the protests. Like I know grit. Yeah, so the, that's what was so strange about like the so the idea that like you know Jerry feels like he needs to respond to you says almost something about like the the it says one of a few things. It either says that for some reason he was personally slighted at the idea that um you coming from the comedy world was relevant to him or uh or he's feeling thin-skinned for some reason. Some people were maybe speculating that maybe he's got something moving around. Like I know he's got like a, a book that he's released and maybe he's trying to capture the attention of a national story because he's so, you know, closely associated with New York and comedy. This is a good opportunity for him to just stay in the public conversation. Could be that also. But like one of the things that I think is relevant here and, and is that you, I think you still control the frame of this situation because n not only did he not refute any of your facts and he didn't bring up any himself, but like, the reason people are reacting so strongly to this is because people implicitly believe that this frame is true. Like, even if they're uh, like, 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 let's remember this, the mm -hmm. fact that they're arguing against it implicitly accepts that that's the reality. So it isn't the case that somebody's like, James is just wrong. Like period. That the, 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 the frames that you set in that article resonated both intellectual intellectually meaning the the data the discursive information the logos that you presented was was true and people could accept it and not refute it and the second was that the the pathetic meaning pathos and emotions that you presented were also true so those two frames that got set i think set really hard and that's why the you know all of these media outlets suddenly reacted to it is because it was like this dude is he's hitting a true note and and it, and and if you really care about new york you have to accept that this is true in because you can't solve a problem without recognizing it. And it's like if if nobody had said, look, New York is dying and, and here's why, then nobody would be attempting to find solutions to it or be even, even aware of the problem. So it's it's strange to me that people are like, James doesn't love New York. You're like, no, that's why he wrote this article is because he loves this city. Yeah. Right, like I'm not trashing the city. Like I've I've lived in the city forever. So that's like you saying, uh, my the woman I love is a drinking problem, and then people would be like, "Why do you hate her?" You're like, "No, yeah. what?" <laughs> like, <laughs> right, that's that's a that's a great analogy. I'm gonna use that analogy. Yeah, like 
you know, anyway, but that's, that's good to know. It hasn't felt like I've had frame just because, you know, it's one of those things where you, you only pay attention to the vocal minority. So even if it's like 95 to five in my favor, if you can even say in my favor and things like that, it's the five that they're the loudest, they're the nastiest. And they're by, because of cognitive biases, you know, we have a negative bias to look at the things that are negative and that's how we survive as a species. Yep. That's what I noticed. And then on top of it, when I see, oh, I gave you your first job 20 years ago and now <laughs> you're shitting all, or, or you're my cousin that we grew up together. You're my third like, cousin once removed. Let me tell you yeah. what I've known about James Altucher my whole life. No, that, there's <laughs> been articles like that. Like I've known him since he was born and like, uh, okay, well, let, let me ask you this. Like what, you know, obviously sometimes you can't help it. Someone's going to press your buttons. You know, if, if a million people are saying things about you and you have three buttons to press, some of those million are yeah, going to find out. They're going to find out just the law of averages tells you they're going to find those buttons. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of quickly, and I've always had a thick skin. I mean, I've been doing this for 18 years, writing stuff that people agree with and disagree with, but this is like the most painful in, in a weird way. Um, and also the most gratifying to see, look, people are responding to what the way I write, I guess, but how do you, or even looking at this situation from the outside, how would you sort of armor yourself in terms of like, you know, it took me a day or two and I finally stopped responding to all negativity, but then the negativity got more and more, maybe because I wasn't responding, it got more and more personal. People felt more and more safe. And then they were piggybacking under Jerry Seinfeld's umbrella and then Andrew Cuomo's umbrella and, and, <laughs> mo and more. And so, yeah. so they felt safe. Oh, okay. Well, at least everybody's on my side. This is finally my chance to say something nasty to James, who I've always hated. <laughs> like, you know, how do you armor yourself? Well, this is like, you know, it's, so I, you know, let me, say three things, I suppose, is that the first is that this is like amazing to me because you have such an, like a spectacular opportunity here. And the opportunity is like, you are being presented with such a strong series of, I mean, like all these frames that are being held up in front of you and to, you know, the opportunity is, am I either going to fold into this or react to it? Or am I going to find the things inside of myself that I know are good and that I trust and that I think are the best parts of me that I share with the world. And I think you wrote the article from that place anyway. And am, am I going to trust those things to try to navigate through this situation and, you know, surround myself with, I think people like, I know, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's a, you have an amazing wife. Like I, I, I wouldn't yeah. doubt for a second that like Robin is anything but like 110% on your side. And so yeah. I think like you've surrounded yourself with good people. And so as a result, the ability to trust those things inside of you is the challenge. And it's, it's weird, man, because like we talked on the pod when we talked about the power Bible that I went on that podcast in Chicago that everybody hates you. <laughs> and it's like, there's something about that moment where you're like, I've shown my shadow with the world. Some people like it, but they react to it. They don't like it, whatever it is. And like, in a way, James, I'm kind of jealous that you have this opportunity, even though it must be painful because whoever you're going to be on the other side of this is like spectacular. And you already are spectacular, but I mean, saying like this next like place that you're going to is, is really amazing. And I think that I, I wish I had, it's strange to, because as someone who wants to, you know, create a, and, and does some consulting and coaching for 
for advising people in situations like this. I do have to admit that like, I've never gone through this, but I do know that like the challenge of trusting yourself is just harder because people want to tell you who you are and you know who yeah. you are. And that's just the same question that anybody has to face every day anyway. It's just that the stakes are so much higher now for you. That's it. Yeah. Like, like I read, I reread the power Bible the other day. And one of the things we say in it is, you know, as you ascend and it, we said this right in the conclusion is like, as you ascend, you will know that you are on the right path because you will meet stronger and stronger enemies and stronger and stronger foes who attempt to outframe you. And you've reached the level where the king of comedy is trying to outframe you. <laughs> and, and it's funny because then I wrote a rebuttal and then there are articles of, like structurally analyzing his rebuttal versus my rebuttal and kind of breaking them down sentence by sentence. And it's like almost like there's this meta analysis now of what's of what's going yeah, you've on. You launched an entire ecosystem. That's how you know. It, <laughs> it's true. Like in a world where they, people can't even pay attention to like a 12 second TikTok video, somehow or other, like 30 million people are talking about a 5,000 word article about New York City. And, you know, it's just been, you know, but, but it's interesting about words and vocabulary and frame because, you know, this is a good example of what you guys talk about in the Power Bible. Like people try to make a vocabulary around what is happening and then take control of the meaning of those words. Oh yeah, they're labeling so it, immediate. They're, right, like, they're labeling what's happening and then they're defining and defining their terms. And it, and it allows them to control the frame. Yeah, like here's an example that just occurred to me this, this morning. Like, so for the past two weeks, some people uh, have been saying, well, he's just an opportunist. He came into New York City for the opportunity and, and then he's leaving at the first sign of trouble, which, okay, first off, couldn't be further from the truth. Like I've been here all along, but uh, just, but then I was thinking, okay, look, what is, this person was using the word, and it was several people, this, let's take one in particular. This person was using the word opportunist as a negative. And yeah. I was responding yeah, yeah. to that. How dare like, you? How dare right, like, you take saying, advantage like, of opportunities, sir? <laughs> right, like I, I, that was my first, my first reaction was like, oh no, I'm not just an opportunist. And, but then I was thinking, you know what? I've got like five kids. I've got, you know, hopes and dreams and wishes and ambitions like everyone else. And yeah, I take advantage of opportunities. You know, as long as I'm not hurting anybody and, and being ethical and, and honest and who wouldn't, like, what are you going to be? Not an opportunist. Yeah, like, it doesn't make any sense because supporting that, that's the how you know it's not a real logical point is there's no contra, there's no con, contrapositive. There's no point that you can go, okay, well, what would a person who, what, what is the implication of what a, a good person would do in this circumstance according to this other person's logic? And there's just, there's nothing there. It's because- Right, should, well, well, they might say like, oh, well, you would stay and support the community, which A, I've been doing, but even that aside is that people will, people who are opportunists will support their community because that's the best thing for them is to live in a good community. Yeah, so yeah, a, I wrote a, the article a rising as an opportunist. Tide, a rising tide raises all boats. And I feel like yeah. you're, you you add a lot of value to your community in a lot of different ways. So I feel like that doesn't make any sense, uh, that kind yeah. of criticism. It's a, it's a, but that's why I keep saying like you, this is why you still, you've, you, you still continue to kind of own the frame in this situation. Um, and I don't think that you have to defend the 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 feelings of negativity that people have, I don't think you have to defend because those feelings are their own. 
the the points that make sense to me are that you've pointed out real problems that are happening and people are reacting to that and their reactions are their own this is why people have agency james can't be responsible for all of their reactions but it is very interesting that like you've put this frame on a trigger point for a lot of people and had no sense that you were going to do it. It's like stepping on a mine, you know what I mean? But like, that's why I think you still kind of control and own it is it's like, they're not responding. None of the, I haven't read anything that has been like a salient point. This is why they're all turning to ad hominem arguments is because they don't have anything that they can refute this with that makes sense. I mean, like the best arguments I've heard and like, is just that, hey, look, some corporations are taking advantage of the fact that real estate in New York is so cheap. And you're like, that's great. That's really cool that they're doing that. It'll probably remain a, very important commercial hub, but it's not going to be the same city it was in 2018 or 19. It just won't be, you know? I mean, I mean, and, and, you know, then, then we could move on to the side hustle Fridays, but like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Look, I'm le- legitimately <laughs> you t- you worried. You turned in for business ideas. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm, you know, on uh, today we're recording this on a Thursday on Monday, de Blasio is supposed to, you know, the mayor of New York city, who also has referenced my article, he's supposed to fire 22,000 employees because tax revenues are going lower in, in New York City. And that's that's really the problem. And he's gonna have to fire EMTs, police, garbage collectors, MTA workers, t- teachers. These are all essential workers for the growth of the city and for our children and, and for us. And, you know, and then he's saying, you know, no indoor dining till next year, which means, and I'm not saying this, every restaurant owner is saying this, 95% of restaurants are going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just me saying this. It's it's the community. But yeah, anyway, I don't know why I became the poster boy for it, which by the way, and then on the flip side of it, you know, the, the rest of the country, I think maybe, uh, you know, opportunity will disperse and flow to the rest of the country oh, in, yeah. in a way it never has before, oh, completely. which is a positive for for you know, the youth of today and, 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 and innovation and so on. Maybe some people are a little too gleeful to dance on a grave and I'm not supporting that at all. Cause I live in, you know, on that grave, but let me say two points to wrap this up. Sorry. And then we can move on and talk about courses and stuff is I just want to say, yeah, my uncle, uh, Michael McClure, he's a, um, he's a pretty interesting guy. He wrote an article. I, I didn't even know this, but he wrote an article and shared with me recently that steel mans a lot of the points that you were making. It was pretty fascinating stuff. I should send that to you just to take a look uh, at. Oh, I read it. Oh, yeah. did you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good because, and I thought he he had an interesting take there where at first I'm reading this and I'm like, what's he, is he going to just say the same thing everyone else is saying? But then uh, yeah. he, he, he nicely played it. It was, um, what was the blog? Um, Unkview. Is the Unkview, yeah, because he's the uncle and you're the nephew. nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I read that. I thought that was very good, um, and I thought he did a smart job, and it was a good way of writing it. Yeah, that uh, was just w- the one point I was going to make, and uh, uh, I don't, the second one escapes me. I guess we can kind of we can we can head into talking about courses and stuff, man. <laughs> no, but I appreciate. It. I always appreciate your your insight, and um, you always have interesting things to say. And you've been on the podcast before, of course. You you you, you were the first to do a 30 day book challenge. You did, you wrote the stoic salesman, um, based on a conversation we had on, on the podcast oh, yeah. and, and obviously based on your own experiences as, as being an expert salesperson, as well as your, your understanding of the philosophy of stoicism. I've read the book. It's a great book. Uh, people should read it. It's on sale at Amazon, the stoic salesman. You've also wrote the power Bible, which I wrote the forward to it's, it's the best book on persuasion I've ever read. And we've, we've, 
I actually wish I had written it, so I'm glad I at least wrote the forward to it. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about that on the podcast. But now, you, I didn't know this. You told me just yesterday you created an online course for almost no money, and you've turned this into a reliable source of income for yourself. Oh, yeah. And what I like about this is that it hasn't yet – like sometimes I have people on, and it's like they they became a this or that, and they started off small, and five years later – they're making 10 million a year doing it. And I do think, I don't like the, the typical definition of a side hustle, which is just like, oh, I signed up for the Uber of dog walking and now I make an extra $6 an hour whenever I have a free moment. I don't like those side gigs, but yep. I like the ones where they could start off decent and they could potentially turn into a six or seven figure income. And you're still on that path. Like you've started off, it's a it's a reliable source of income. Yep. It's not yet, let's say it's a reliable five-figure source, but it's not yet a six-figure source, but it's on the way there. And I oh, think yeah. catching someone in the process and asking you how you did it, you, you, I know you did it from total, total scratch. Like what was going on in your life when you decided to yeah. do this course? So this is so, a great- so, 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 Oh, just to mention one thing, this is about building an online course and we're going to end with nothing to start with. There's more sophisticated ways to build an online course, but I really wanted to hear this point of view. Yeah, I so I yeah, I appreciate that. So I was so it was a very complicated situation uh, that led to me um, doing this. So I um, I realized some so for the listener, you should just understand that I think I realized some time ago that I was I was I was thinking, you know, I want to get to, you know, I love doing comedy, as you know, I love doing I love pursuing comedy. I've done comedy for. Um, 20 years. Uh, and I, I just want to get to a point. My goal here is I just want to get to a point where my side hustles and passive income specifically can get to a point where I can transition from doing sales as a day job. Um, everybody in my office is going to hear this and be like, wait, what? You want to, wait, what? You're too, you're you want to leave? Like, but you can't uh, fire me. I'm, I'm all the sales. Yeah. I'm all of it. I, I have a team. <laughs> Damn it. But, is the point is I want to get so like many people probably listening, I just wanted to get to a point where I could pursue my passion. Here's the problem with comedy. It's uh, super time consuming, which is great. If you love it, I love the fact that it's super time consuming. I love hanging out with comedians. I love going to clubs. I love all of that. I love the whole process. I love writing jokes. I love working on jokes. I love getting audiences to laugh. I love the whole process. Um, however, the amount, unless you are really famous, unless your career is taken off, unless you've really built an audience, you're not really making that much money. And all of those things are full-time jobs. Just to add to that, like, you know, as you know, Brendan, because you've been there almost since the beginning for me, like I've been, you know, doing stand-up for five years. It's not a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> like anyone who does comedy as a hobby is not doing stand-up comedy. Like that it's, there's no such thing as stand-up comedy as a hobby. It's, it's, it's consuming all of your mental energy. You have to get really good at noticing the unusual and then turning that into something that's going to force complete strangers in a dark room to uncontrollably <laughs> people laugh. People you don't know <laughs> to like right. you. That's From the Sweden. job. <laughs> so, right. It's and it's it is all consuming. It's and and then even just the process of going to a club, waiting for your turn, doing your set and then you know, kind of unwinding from that. That alone is three, four hours. So if you do multiple yeah. shows in a night and you're doing four or five nights a week, that's 
just those, the basic act of it is 30 hours a week. And then there's the preparation, there's the studying. I, I mean, the it's the worst it. ROI for time investment uh, ever. It, it's, it's, yeah, and I would say after five years, the first check I've gotten from comedy was this past year. I mean, I've been doing comedy for 20 years and I do, you know, I up until COVID was doing road gigs a lot in the Midwest and I was getting paid, but I've made more money on my online courses than I made last year doing comedy. Like that's how more lucrative they are. So the point of the, all of this was I was like, I just want to start making things that'll draw some passive income to me because I could see that if I really want to take this as seriously as I want to, as I want to, I'm going to have to have other assets that exist in the world that draw some, that create value and then, and then capture some of that value. So, so I want to unpack that a little. So you, you made a, 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 a course on online, on doing standup comedy, right? An online course on doing standup comedy. Yep. That's, so that's my most, that's my most successful course. And, and but, but, but let me unpack that for a second. Cause there's some interesting things there. One is I think a lot of people think, well, I can't do a course. I'm not, Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock, or I can't do a course on, on cooking. I'm not Wolfgang Puck or whoever is the famous chefs of yeah, the day. They, they think and, you got to be good enough to be on masterclass in order to create a yeah, course. Yeah. And like you're, it's not like you're doing Netflix specials. You were doing road gigs in, you know, lacrosse Wisconsin. Cities, and that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but like, you're not like a known, you know, other comedians would probably say, you know, because this is how comedians are. Let's just be honest. Other comedians would probably look at you and say, what, that guy's doing a course on comedy? Oh, completely. <laughs> you know, how yeah, completely. comedians talk about each other. So so I, I want to kind of get burst that bubble. And um, okay, sorry, go forward. Well, no, so I mean, like you've got, so the, the listener might also think like, okay, well, sure, dude, you've been doing comedy for 20 years. Like maybe you have a lot of knowledge about it. Well, it's like, first of all, I experienced those feelings because I was like, I'm not Dave Chappelle. I'm not Jerry Seinfeld. And I could never be because I Thank like God. James. But... Uh, <laughs> But I can't, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I, I, I experienced the same insecurities that I think anybody would moving into this. Like, it automatically puts my feeling of like, oh, yeah, I know how to do stand-up comedy. And let me go ahead and tell you how to do it in a, in a kind of uh, arrogant way. And, of course, that is like kryptonite for, other, for, for gaining the interest of other comedians. So I, I'm aware of like this was a risk for me to do in terms of my reputation and at least the comedy community. But I thought to myself, you know what? I, it's, I don't care. I'm at a point where if I really love comedy as much as I love it, do I want it? Love, do I want to do it in the way that I want to do it and have the ability to do that? Or do I want to just try to please other comedians, which will lead to zero financial success? Um, so I decided, all right, you know, uh, I'll do, I'll go ahead and do it. And, and, and the Which, point, by the way, is also a very important point. Like you had the voices of probably every comedian, you know, in your head, arguing with you against doing this. And sometimes persuasion is not about persuading other people. It's about actually persuading those very real voices in your head. Oh yeah. To just shut up. You have to game frame on yourself, over these other voices, yeah, yeah. over these voices that are in your head. And, you know, I think that's a good point. And somebody listening to this, it's like, whoever you are, okay, you have some skill and ability to create a very simple online course. And it could be very simple. It could be um, how to change a tire. It could be how to make a sandwich. Like, here's something I actually thought about this when we agreed to do this podcast is when I was in high school and into college, this sounds so, I sound like such a dummy, but I literally, James, I had, I was such a mama's boy that like my mom had always made me food 
that like into college, I would go to like the, you know, dining cafeteria or whatever by the dorms. But like, I never made myself any meals. Like I didn't, I didn't even know how to do that. And if there had been Skillshare around at the time, I would have binged all of these courses on how to make a sandwich because I, I hadn't, I literally had no idea how to do it. Like I didn't, I couldn't even see the mental parts to be like, go to the store, pick up deli meat, buy bread, come home, put them together like that. I literally couldn't even do that. So somewhere there is someone who doesn't know how to make a sandwich. And there's someone listening to this podcast who knows how to do it and knows how to do it well enough that they can teach you how to meal prep for the week or teach you how to, you know, arrange your schedule so that you can take advantage of downtime to get more done or just whatever that happens to be. I guarantee you somebody listening to this has that skill. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like, if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash James. 
Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. So what I did basically was, and I've I've gotten this down to a science, um, and I I, I was going to create an online course to talk about this actually because I've I've now created six online courses. I used. But the- by the way, I want to I want to break that point down. Is that whenever you do one thing well, there's always, and this is an important lesson for everybody, no matter what side hustle you do. Uh, whenever you do one thing well, you can do you can start doing the meta well and make a living at it. So for instance, I was a day trader and then I wrote books about day trading. And then I made a website about day trading, which became a business, which I sold. And then I started a hedge fund where I funded other day traders. So there's always, that's, you know, there's ways to scale horizontally. Like let's say with day trading, I could have raised more money or vertically. I just went meta and got, you know, went into other, um, aspects, you know, I went further and further away from actually day trading, but then explaining the mechanics and, 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 you know, the structure of it and so on. Well, you call that and like, that, the, that's what you did with, yeah, where you're, you're doing with courses. Yeah. So you call that like the spoken wheel approach or something. And I, I yes. think, and I think it's a, that makes a lot of sense because what I decided to do was I created this online course for stand up comedy and it just hit, hit really well. And for everybody listening, like I haven't, I just want to, everybody to understand, like I created this stand-up comedy course in two days. I spent zero money creating it. I edited it on my phone, basically. I uploaded it to uh, Udemy and to Skillshare and to TabletWise, so three different markets. Uh, and then- I never even heard of TabletWise. It's a new one. So it's nothing but profit. I spent zero, The you know what I mean? The ROI is infinity because I spent zero money, zero capital to start it. And basically didn't do anything to market it. I, I just 
use the tools that Udemy already has. And there's a market insights tool that tells you what people are looking for and what they do not have very many course examples of in order to see that stand-up comedy was just a, it was an opportunity. Like there were two courses. I looked at both of them. They weren't that good. Um, they, they were done by two comics who maybe knew, knew what they were talking about, but they just weren't that well produced. And they didn't talk about comedy the way that I was going to, I knew I would talk about comedy. And so I literally... So, so how did you know that there would be demand? Like maybe they weren't doing well because there was no demand for them. Well, the courses that, they, that were there actually were doing okay because there was a lot of demand. So that's one of the cool things about Udemy's Markets Insights tool is like, just like if you were going to, you know, if you were going to create an e-commerce company, you would look up popular keywords and try to see what maybe pages come up or what things on Amazon come up or whatever, what things on YouTube come up. If you search those to see if there's, an, you know, if there was not very good examples of what you were looking for based on the keyword, that would show you that there's an opportunity to create something there. In the same way that you would do that, I used the, a tool that Udemy provides for free, which just says, here are the courses that people are searching for that don't have a lot of courses available for them. So a lot of people oh, wow. were looking I, for, I totally did not know that. Yeah. So a lot of people were looking for stand-up comedy and didn't have a course. There was no course available. And if it's true on Udemy, it's got to be true on these other platforms. So... I just saw that these two courses didn't, they weren't that, they were They were actually, uh, like, so far as I could tell, they were actually selling pretty well, but they just weren't that great in terms of their, their content. And so I just said about, I'm just going to create a better course than these guys. Like, because you don't have to be the best course for X. You just have to be a good course for X and better than maybe some other examples that are in the area. But the, be the best part about this is that doesn't even matter necessarily because even if you shoot how to make a sandwich on your phone and it takes you, let's say you're all in investment, it takes you 30 minutes of shooting for some reason, it takes you 30 minutes of shooting and then you edit for another two hours and upload the course, it's taken you four hours. Even if you make only six, $7 on that course a month, which you would probably make more than that, you're still, it's like whatever. Somebody's, that's money you didn't have before and it took you four hours of work. Uh, across a long enough tail, that really starts adding up. So, so like, so like, okay, so you, you, you decided stand-up comedy, which is something you love. And you know, that's another thing to break out here is too, is that you were able to, you love stand-up comedy. It, it's, it's all consuming, you know, even on top of your, your, your full-time job or part-time job or whatever. And, uh, you realized you could monetize this passion in a way different from just performing it, which I think is a key insight also, which there's a lot of people who don't realize all the things that they could monetize that they might be passionate about. You, you, you use the Udemy market insights free tool to figure out that there was demand for this. And, you know, maybe if there was demand for something else, you would realize, Oh, I also have passion for this. I'll do this. But, uh, what was the first steps in making the course? Like, how do you make the course? Yeah, so this is, I'm going to break down. So everybody listening is, this is going to be the, basically the same content I'm going to put out in my how to create a course in two weeks uh, course, which I'll, I'll pop out. So you're getting this, I guess, for free. But just because, just because you love James Altucher. So I'd love to see Jerry Seinfeld attempt to make a course because he's not going to hear this. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he, um, yeah, I'm sure he, I'm sure, I'm sure that's not one of his priorities, but the, but we're both willing to open up for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, please, Jerry. <laughs> I'll give you my course for free, Jerry. <laughs> anyway. You might need it. The, um, the, the point is, so I, I would, this is how you design uh, an online course very quickly and simply. Uh, 
get a one piece of paper and just write down what is the one thing this course is going to teach you. Just what, what did you not know at the beginning of this course that you're going to know at the end of this course and make that specific. So I can't tell you that I'm going to teach you how to be a great stand-up comic because if that is everybody's on their own journey, that is really difficult. I don't even know if I know how to be a great stand-up comic. Um, it's, it's, that's the challenge. But what I can teach you is how to write five minutes worth of jokes and teach you how to get on stage in an open mic. Like that's what I can teach you. So I, that I limited my course scope to just one thing. Here's one thing that you couldn't do when you started this course that you can do at the end of this course. And I'm going to teach you all the skills. And, and by the way, it's not like those two things are random things. Like if you can do those two things well, and they're completely different skills, like a writing five minutes of stand-up comedy, uh, and B learning how to scope out the environment and find the correct mics to perform at. If you could do those two things well and consistently, you're going to be amazingly successful. <laughs> like there's a compound effect of learning something, which every time you go up and write a new five minutes, you're, you're going to get better. Well, so, I mean, I just think about this. So if it, t if you were writing five minutes of material, writing and refining it and getting on stage, just do that 12 times. And now you have a whole hour. That's it. It's, yeah. it's, it's not more complicated than that. I mean, there obviously that by itself is quite complicated. And, you know, people can spend a ton of time doing it, but it isn't more complicated than that. So I basically just then, after you've written this down on your piece of paper, uh, you just need to write down what are the things that someone needs to know in order to learn to do the very specific thing that I've written down at the top of this piece of paper. And that might be, and I don't know how many bullet points that's going to be. It might be four, it might be five, it might be 10, it might be 12, whatever. And if you don't want to use a piece of paper for this, I really highly recommend mind mapping software. I use a mind node, uh, which is great for it. And, mind node. and it, it basically just allows me to very quickly map out what points someone's going to know. And for each one of those points that someone needs to know, then draw a dash to the right of it and write down, how am I going to teach that to somebody? And this is your course. Once you get this done, this is the outline of what you need to create for your online course. So, so give me an example of using a mind map or my node. I, I, I've heard people talk about this, like uh, a mutual uh, friend of ours, another comedian, Brian Scott McFadden. He always says when he writes jokes, for instance, he'll have some concept like, you know, coronavirus and he'll start throwing out words and building this mind map. And he says there's software for it, but I don't really know what he means. Yeah, so it's it's basically a it, it's a visual map. It's a visual software to help you arrange your thoughts. So instead of just, you know, even an outline is like too organized for some people. Like my brain is very frenetic. It, it Lots of thoughts will come out at different points. Like I'll be thinking about, you know, uh, how how do I deliver jokes? Like joke delivery, you know what I mean? That's a that's one part of this course. So how do I deliver a joke? Well, in order to understand joke delivery, you actually have to understand inflection, and inflection actually has to do with the writing process. So I might I might write down during the time that I'm trying to outline how I'm going to teach you how to deliver a joke. I might go, oh shit, I got to go back to jokes and then write into the course over there inflection and like why that's important to con a consideration at that time. And what you're Inflection doing is so incredibly important, by the way, yeah. people don't realize people think stand-up comedy is about having a sense of humor, which it is like, you have to be funny, but that's like one skill of maybe 15 
that you have to equally master. Yeah. So inflection and using your voice is incredibly important. And I look back at like old videos of myself and I can see the difference with now. And then I also look at videos of like, you know, the top guys and it's, it's like all voice. It's so much is, is voice and inflection. Yeah, but like this is what you've just pointed out though is like a, if you are trying to create a course on stand-up comedy, making sure that you refer back to the scope at the beginning, um, and really this is true for any course, is very important because you you want to think, what do I need, to, how deeply into inflection do I need to go in order for to teach someone who's never done it to get on stage and do it for five minutes and not totally bomb? How, how what do I need to do to teach that person that? And and it's not as much as like, if you and I sat down, we could talk about inflection for a long time and have tons of examples of jokes in which like the inflection changes the meaning of the joke. And maybe that's an opportunity for another course, like just to build out in the future, like we'll do a deep dive on delivery or something like that. And that course is, the beginner course is, you know, 20 bucks. The deep dive is 50 bucks. And it's a three hour course just on that part. And somebody can go buy that later if they if that's a problem or they want to learn more or whatever like that right, well and that's part of the spoken wheel approach too which yeah. is you you kind of establish demand for the core idea and then you have higher end products that are a little more niche which you know do deep dives you're going to sell less you're going to sell less of them but if you price them higher you you can make even more money on the kind of higher end upsells and also gives you upsells in the marketing of of the initial course yeah it, it it basically like so this is how you can this is how one course can become like an entire you know lucrative side hustle for you is that like there's just a, there's 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 a realm of possibilities that exist as you're just building out this one thing i mean think about just return to the sandwich course like there are people who don't know how to make sandwiches a certain percentage of those people if your course is good enough are gonna go well shit i want to know how to make subway sandwiches now i want to know how to make paninis now i want to know how to make and you can those are all things you can do you know, if, if you enjoy making sandwiches and you and your friends tell you that you make good ones, this is an entire potential business that you can develop just around that. Right. And, and I, I want to bring up two more things is that you can only get this information through an online course. And I'll explain what I mean. If you read a book about stand-up comedy, of which I'm sure, Brendan, you and I both have read many books on it, they really just talk about joke structure and writing a joke. They, they very rarely talk about any anything else. They might talk a little, like have a side chapter about something else, but not, it's really about joke structure and lots of examples and it might even be a little old fashioned, who knows. Uh, or if you watch a great stand-up special, you're only watching, like if I watch a Chris Rock special, I'm watching the best comedian in the world, arguably, after a year of hundreds and hundreds of sets refining material. And so he's doing a set that's so far beyond being able to kind of back out what he's doing. Like it doesn't feel like he's doing material. He feels yep. like he's talking to the audience. It, it doesn't make sense comedian. to try to learn basketball by watching Michael Jordan. Like he's, right. he's, he's, or, you know, or, or LeBron James or whatever. It's like they're the and level this is true for every industry. Yeah. The, the, the level that they're playing at you, you, if you were a beginner, you don't have the eyes to see it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't enjoy it or go watch it. Like Chris Rock's bigger and blacker is in a lot of ways, like the perfect comedy special. And it, it's so tight from top to bottom. Like I recommend it in the course, like go watch it because you can, when you start learning the tools, and you then go back and watch that course, you're like, oh, I see what he's doing here. 
I'll give you an example straight from that one. Like, you know how Chris Rock, he just walks really fast back and forth on the stage. It's almost like he's like this predator lion walking back and forth on the stage while he's talking. Um, Tony Rock, his brother, told me uh, the reason he does that is so that you really can't afford to close your eyes while he's performing because then you won't know where he is when you open your eyes. Like, yep. he, it forces people to keep attention. So it's really, like, it's even super a engaging. Like that, it's super engaging. Yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, you know, what do I do with this information? You wouldn't necessarily think that that was a planned thing, thing that he yeah. was doing. And then once you know it's a planned thing, what do you do with that information? You can't do the same thing he does. So, uh, you know, you need a course to kind of guide you through this type of thinking. So this is exactly the kind of stuff that like when you're planning out your course, like you can toss this in there where you're like, here's these bits that I know and here's what I, here's what I know about this. And, and, and here's what somebody who doesn't understand this, like if you're ever hanging out with your friend and then you turn to them and you, and like something, you're watching something on TV or you're around them in some situation and something happens and you turn to them and go, Oh, you know what? I bet you don't know. Actually, this is cool because, and then you explain something that's exactly the kind of stuff that I'm talking about that makes it into these courses. Cause part of the reason people watch them is they're entertaining and like be an interesting person who's delivering this information it's deepening people's appreciation of the world. Like Skillshare just put out a whole bunch of, uh, you know, whatever market information around the fact that like people are now watching Skillshare as entertainment. Like they're not even necessarily interested in like learning the things that people have to talk about. But if you like, I mean, the sandwich stuff is a great example because how many cooking shows exist of people talking about sandwiches? That's it. That's what you're making. You're making entertainment for people in this, in this space and they're learning something while you're doing it, while they're doing it. And if you want to, but like part of the reason I started doing it also is I wanted to build an audience. And I have a ton of people who have messaged me now after taking my stand-up course who then go watch my comedy special I put on YouTube. And they're like, dude, this is so great. Like, when are you going to come to, you know, Duluth, Minnesota or whatever? Because I would love to see you That's do stand-up. Cool. And I, I had no idea that was even going to happen, but it it's basically happened because people are learning me, you know, who I am through this this thing. So so just to move on to talk about like once you have that outlined and all the things that you want to like how to do it, you need to go do one of like uh, two things. You either need to write a script for each one of these bits um, or you just need to make some bullet points if you know that you can explain this effectively to somebody. Like one of the mistakes I made in the early part of me creating the stand-up course was I actually scripted out exactly what I was going to say. And I realized actually that was way less interesting and way less engaging than if I just knew the points and was talking to the camera like I would be talking to a friend, explaining, you know, what I was going to be doing. And so each one of these points, this is a lesson. This is just a lesson in the course. So you're not going to film one long thing doing this whole thing. You're going to take each one of these little points that you that you brought out in terms of what someone has to learn, and that's now the lesson. That's you with your phone on a phone stand recording yourself talking into a microphone that you bought on Amazon for $5.00. And that's it. You don't need better stuff than that. You know what I mean? There's free courses out there that teach you how to, you know, do uh, lighting and things like this just to help, you know, Udemy and Skillshare have interest in people making high quality courses. So there's free information on how to do that stuff. You now have an outline. Just go shoot it on your phone, edit it on iMovie, edit it on whatever the video editing software that you have on your phone to draw out those courses uh, into lessons. And that's about it. Honestly, that's a, and now let, let me ask you. So like, let's say, uh, on your outline, one of the top level things to learn is, you know, voice inflection. 
uh, do you do, is that a separate video? Is it just part of one big video? Like what does a course look like? Yeah. So that's a good question. So each, you want to keep each one of these lessons to about between two to eight minutes, just in the way that, you know, if you can't get this out in two to eight minutes, uh, it, it maybe it maybe needs to be two different lessons. So inflection is a good point because inflection goes along with delivery, delivery and being on stage. That's an entire unit in my stand-up comedy course. It's like five lessons. Each of them are between two and eight minutes of how do I need to, what do you need to be to feel comfortable? What do you need to know to feel comfortable being on stage in front of an audience? You need to know about inflection, gesture, movement, all of these things I cover. And I've shot myself with like a wide angle lens in my own living room with a microphone and a you know, a mic stand that I own just to, just to deliver what, that. What's the wide angle lens? What camera? Well, I have a Canon 80D that I bought years ago for, uh, for filming like sketches and me doing stand up comedy. So the wide angle lens that I use there is a 10 millimeter, uh, to 25 millimeter zoom, but you can go buy a wide angle lens for your smartphone on Amazon for like 10 bucks. I mean, they're so cheap. I had one that I used for a long time that was just exactly that. And and a directional mic that I bought for, I think, 30 bucks that I used to film stand-up comedy on. So, I mean, it, the, you don't have to have, like, a really good equipment in order to do this. You Literally, like, some of the best courses are just people shooting on their phones. So, so okay, so uh, unpacking so far, you, you use Udemy's market insights free tool to figure out what subjects are in demand so happened that there was a subject that fit very closely with your interests um and then uh just to bring in skillshare to this skillshare had some evidence that people not only want to learn but they also buy courses because it's entertainment so that's you know a double reason to do a course now then you um you you roughly outline or at least sketch out all the things you want to talk about which let's say Let's say you, there's 10 things. Let's say you take any topic and there's 10 main umbrella topics. And then each one of those might have one to five topics underneath them. And now you have, um, and then maybe you write down some bullet points about each of those topics. And now you have material to make two to eight minute videos about each of those subtopics that fit under the 10 umbrella topics. Uh, and then you shoot it just with good lighting. You're sitting down. Is there anything special? Do you want to move around? Like, how do you keep people engaged? Do you want to move around during the lesson? Do you want to write stuff on a whiteboard? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, you want to, you can write stuff on a whiteboard. I created PowerPoint presentation, I mean, slide, you know, PowerPoint, Google Slides presentations that then I used QuickTime to record on my own computer to draw out some lessons here. When I was talking about joke writing, we can get into joke structure that way. Um, but the same, and then, and then uh, just to understand, so yeah, when you have a PowerPoint, I'm just like for people completely technically naive, um, which by the way, I am despite <laughs> having majored in computer science and gone to graduate school for computer science, you can then, um, take what you're filming on the camera and the quick time of the PowerPoints and edit them together in something like GarageBand, which is fairly easy or on your phone or, or, or no, iMovie you mentioned. Yeah, iMovie. I mean, I'm sure, I, I'm sure Windows has a, you know, a, a, analogous software that is available mm. out of the box. Um, but e even then, I mean, like you don't have to put those things together into those can be separate lessons. Like the, you know, the it's, it can be so easy just to kind of to pop this together, but gesture is a good one. If your your question was, what are you doing to keep people entertained? 
gesture. You know what I mean? It's the same thing as, you know, for me, it was easy because I have an improv and stand up background. I just know I know how to behave toward a camera so that I look interesting. Um, maybe this is a challenge and there's a learning curve. You know, maybe your first if you're the sandwich dude who's making the sandwich course, your first episode isn't that good. Your first course isn't that great. Maybe you make a handful of dollars on it or whatever, but maybe maybe you realize, you know what, actually really I like this. I'm going to go create a handful more courses. Maybe you go back and make a second version that's even better. Like my philosophy, like the stand-up comedy course, James, was my third course that I made. I made two other courses that were about sales before I made the, that course. And those two courses were awful. <laughs> I mean, like they were poorly produced. I looked ridiculous. They were, I looked stilted. They were not well produced. And I actually even paid people to help me produce those courses. And they weren't even that good. It was the third course that I made on stand up comedy that I did 100% by myself, recorded everything, edited everything, and then popped it out on those platforms. That's the one that really took off. And then since then, I've made a handful of more courses that have done well. How many, how many um, videos altogether were in the stand up comedy course? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, maybe, maybe, f probably fifty, f probably fifty-five videos wow. somewhere in there. So, but 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 you were able to do it in uh, how long did it take you? It took me two days to shoot and edit, and then and then you uploaded them. So I guess you go to Udemy, you fill out some form. This is what the course is about. This is the description. This is what you're going to learn. Uh, uh, here, here's the outline. And then, and then you just upload lesson one, lesson two. Do you have homework or anything? Yeah. I mean, like I put assignments in there. So one of them is they had to go watch, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's type five actually on, um, on, great, I know he keeps coming stuff. up, dude. He just keeps coming up. <laughs> I, rec I, I, Hey, I'd recommend watching his, uh, documentary comedian from like 2002. It's a great. It's actually, it's absolutely great documentary. Um, but his type five on the, uh, late show from years ago is just a good example of like a bunch of different punchlines and callbacks and you can see the setups and you can. So when, when you're learning that stuff, it's just a good example to do that. So I gave that homework and then asked a series of questions, but this, this goes into uh, another good part about the course, which is if you're in, if you're, you know, if you have people who watch it and they're really interested in learning it and they're going to, they're going to put questions in, if you engage them back, it becomes more interesting for them. It, like they're talking to, that's the difference between a course and that you're taking and a YouTube video or a book or whatever is that you actually are talking to an instructor. Is there, is there a community on, 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 like, is there like a Q and A area where you have to participate or how do, how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, like it's a, I, I ask questions to the students in the course and they can f answer them or not basically. And the answers come to me and I can write responses and, I'm always available for someone to email. Like I, I receive email from people on the course. Um, sometimes I'll, you know, shoot a quick like audio file back to them explaining something. I mean, that's good feedback for what the course needs to be or if there's an opportunity to do a deeper dive into something. Like you, you're letting your audience kind of drive your product development in this regard. And it's, it's actually a, a good way to do it. This is different fun fundamentally than somebody doing like a YouTube or a book or something like that is that there's a lot of kind of real-time engagement with people who are taking your course. Well, where, where's the community? Is it on Udemy? Uh, like, it, like, is there a, 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 an area where they can log in and, and uh, like in this ongoing chat? Well, so, okay. So there isn't one on Udemy and there isn't one on Skillshare, although people can make comments. So there is like kind of a general community, but for specifically for my course, like, or specifically for anybody who's launching a course, if you go to uh, um, Thinkific, 
and create a course and think of it, you can create a community for people to engage on that platform. And that's a platform made specifically for people to develop online courses that they can charge for and create communities around. So that's the next step. So you said you were saying you have maybe a, you know, a four come upon five figure business that's going to transition to a six figure business. How do you, you know, that's the transition. That's the next level for me is moving these courses onto Thinkific where people are buying them directly from me and not on a platform like Udemy or Skillshare. Yeah. And, um, the other thing is you could just, you know, given that you uploaded to multiple platforms, you could also specify, Hey, this Facebook community, you could set up a four pay Facebook community. If you want to join the community where I have office hours, you know, two times a week, it's an extra $10 a month. You know, this is part of the spoken wheel aspect. Exactly. Like you can, that's one of the things that's cool about this is you can get people to join your mailing list. You can get people to join your Facebook community. You can get people to, I mean, you, you have access to message people who have taken your course. I have thousands of people who have mess who have taken my course and I could go message all of them. If I have a new course coming out or if I came out with a new product that I want them to take a look at, all of that stuff is available, you know, to, to you when, when you develop this, like it, right. And, and they're a pretty, it's not like they're a random audience that you've paid for. Like this is a, a loyal audience who's, who's already paid you money. So they know that you're the type of person, there's a cognitive bias. They know that you're the type of the person they're willing to trust and give money to. And you know, they'll, they'll listen to what you say. There's probably a higher conversion rate than random advertising. Well, they've already spent, I mean, implicitly you're worth their time. Like they've already, what is uh, Cialdini would call that the commitment and consistency principle where like yeah. they've, They've already spent money, so they they are invested in you now at this point and in what you have to deliver. And so, have you done courses since the stand-up comedy course? Yeah, I've done I've done a bunch more, and I've got two more that I'm developing right now. Um, the the one I did afterwards was uh, how to cold email the complete guide because like I just was doing all this cold emailing one for sales and two for booking my podcast, and I thought this is people. That's a great course to do that. People always. You should almost look at like my Q and A's basically. Like I get that question a lot. Like I should look at my Q and A's to figure out what <laughs> courses to do. Like that, that is something people really need to do because we're all, we're all now sitting in our homes, cold emailing each yeah, other. I mean, like I've gotten some amazing guests on my podcast and it's just from cold emailing. Like I've, I've interviewed, uh, James, the upcoming interview with James Cars, the author of finite and infinite games. It's just a plot. Oh, that's a great classic one. book. Um, uh, our, I think, you know, Douglas Rushkoff, um, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's agreed. To I've been texting with, Doug, uh, he probably wouldn't know who I am, but I remember back in 1992, we were both on this pre web thing called the well, which was like a massive chat room for just people who were interested in the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and he was on there. I was on there. Uh, Kevin, um, Kelly was on there and a bunch of other people. Oh yeah. All the guys who have now gone on to, to, you know, massive new media fame. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Them more than me. Yeah. But I mean, like I've had interviews with amazing people like, a uh, famous international ma male porn star, Rocco Sofredi did the podcast. Like, and it's all after you guys were fooling around a little. Yeah. Cause we were, we were messing around. You know what? It's interesting. Cause he was, he was the subject of a Netflix documentary about him and his life because, uh, w but for the fact that he is a porn star, he is almost exactly like almost every other sort of normal person, except that he's like a celebrity. And it's strange. Like his whole family knows this. It's, you know, it's not a secret. 
And it's just, I was like, dude, this is so fascinating. Like, how do you live this life? But have, you know, two kids, he's sustained a marriage for for like, you know, 25 years. Like, what's that like? And I just cold emailed him. How does she not get jealous? Well, I think she used to be a porn star also. So I feel like she kind of gets it. But it's fascinating to me. That, But that's why I wanted to talk to him. It's because like that, I so I just cold emailed him. It's a great skill to have. And that's why I thought, you know what? I should just go ahead and document this because this is just such an important part. You know, if you're somebody who's, you know, this is another big thing. It's like, you know, I'm, I do sales. I've had a career in sales for 10 years. Like I said earlier, I'd like to move off of doing it and into stand-up comedy full-time. And, you know, and I've made a lot of strides in attempting to do that. But, you know, you, if you're somebody who has a career doing whatever you're doing, like programming, developing, um, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you uh, are a salesperson yourself listening to this, you can create a course around this stuff. It's great brand marketing for you as a career, for your career. Like, so I have, you know, this book, Cold Call Like a Comedian. That was basically, it's the first book I created. It was a transcript from the course I made of the same name. And when spoken wheel approach, yeah. Whenever anybody I was interviewing for jobs was like, "What you know? What have you done? What are you about?" Etc. I would just send them a copy of that book, and I'm like, "Here's a book I wrote that gives you a sense for my entire approach to this." Like, yeah, how many I other people, people interviewing have a book? You know, right? Like, I always tell people like, if you're being interviewed for something like either a job or a TEDx talk or a consulting gig or or, or whatever, if everything else being equal, if one person has a book and the other doesn't. They choose the person with the book, period. Well, the same thing is true with the online course. So like I have, you know, I'm consulting at this company. I've got a team of guys that I just hired. They're, you know, young guys, they're salespeople, they're hungry. I can send them all of my training materials about cold emailing and cold calling uh, right off the bat. Just like, here you go. Here's a, here's stuff that you're going to need to know. This is my approach. And if you have any questions, like go take these courses and we can talk about it. I'm your coach and available for you here as well. But this is basically the way that I do this. So, I mean, there's just a lot of reasons to create a, co- a course like this. So, so let's, let's go back to the stand-up comedy one. So you made the 50 videos, you made, you know, assignments and some Q and a opportunities. Um, you uploaded to, you said Udemy, um, uh, tablet, what was it? Tablet wise. Tablet wise and Skillshare. Yep. Did you think about other places like Teachable or no, Coursera? No, I probably should go do that actually. <laughs> or LinkedIn Learning or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I should probably go um, do it to all of those. And and uh, then we discussed the possibility like you could have done a, a four-pay Facebook community or even just a free Facebook community as just like an added resource for the course, more reasons for people to buy your course. Uh, you, could, you could potentially in the future uh, have upsells from the comedy course like, hey, you were an all-star at the comedy course. Now I'm doing one just it's 40 videos just on inflection. This makes the difference between, you know, Dave Chappelle and an amateur or whatever. And uh, so you can have a higher end, you know, very specific course. Uh, you know, there's, there's and, and or you can go meta where you could do the course on courses. So, uh, you know, the course on making an online course. And so you've done a bunch of these courses. And the good thing is, they're streams for life. Like you never know when we're in an environment like, oh, let's say a pandemic and an economic lockdown where suddenly salespeople have to do cold emails 
and uh, your core sales spike because we're in a lockdown. I don't know if they did spike, but my guess is they probably did okay. They did great uh, during in, this at, time. at the beginning of it. I mean, the stand-up comedy course, you know, people can't go out and do open mics really, so that's kind of a challenge. But yeah, a lot of um, people, they did quite well right at the beginning of this especially. And so even if no one course makes, and this is what I also think about book writing, but online courses sound like even an easier way to to do this. Like if you have, let's say, after two or three years, let's say you, hypothetically, I'm just gonna make it up. You have a hundred courses uh, that you've made, like every weekend, you know, every other weekend, maybe every two weeks, you make another online course. So you have 50 courses after two years. And if each one makes $200 a month, you're making $10,000 a month. That's a stream of income. You could live anywhere in the world on that. Yeah. It's a geometry problem at some point. And you're not just making it like you just said, like there's all these you know, platforms that I like, I should have it on Coursera. I should have it on LinkedIn learning. Like I should have them on all of these other locations. Like it, it just becomes, if your course sells, um, once a day or twice, you know, from any of these platforms, you're already making, you know, uh, X amount of money additionally a day, additionally a week, additionally a year. And I've done, I mean, here's the thing, James, I've done zero to market these courses on any of these platforms, like nothing. Yeah. I didn't even know you, until yesterday, I didn't even know you did online courses. I've known you for years. So yeah, I didn't, I, I've you, done you zero. You haven't even I, told people, you know, I don't, I don't like talk about it because it's not a big part of, I don't think about it that much. Like I spend, you know, maybe 20 minutes a week answering questions or emailing people back, uh, on the platform. And otherwise it just adds money to my bottom line. I don't, I don't do hardly anything. I mean, think about it like this. I easily make $500 a month on that stand-up comedy course. If you wanted to buy an online business that made $500 a month, it would cost you 15 grand. Like, it, it, yeah. And it, I just did that for, two, that's two hours, one day, a year, and some change ago, and have sat on it sort of ever since. So, by, by the way, please don't go create true. a so course and unseat me. <laughs> but that's right. That, that, let's just go through the math on that. So, $500 a month is $6,000 in just free money a year. And typically, a small, cash flow, uh, creating business that requires no additional work will go for between two and three times earnings. So two and a half times 6,000 is $15,000. That's why you could sell that course today to somebody for $15,000. Cause it's just, as opposed someone could put $15,000 in that and make, uh, whatever that is 40% per year, or they could put that $15,000 in a savings account and make 0.1% a year. So that's why though, those are particularly the less work that's involved in maintaining it. It's more like a savings account. There you go. So, and, um, so, uh, why don't you market it? Like, what would you do if you were going to market it? Well, that's what I'm going to be doing for my own, for when I get on, when I'm going to move it onto, um, uh, Thinkific and start marketing it. I mean, I, I want to, start marketing it on Facebook and on different platforms that I know I can do ads on. But, uh, you know, it's just like, I just, I wanted a business that I didn't have to think about or continue to try to put money into, or I'm going to look at Thinkific. I don't know Thinkific. Yeah. Or continue oh, to push. One and that's trusted course platform. There you go. It's just a course platform. So I just would encourage anybody to go think about how to do this because it's a really simple business to get into. And it can, it, you know, can add to cash flow for you pretty quickly and easily, especially if you do and, it on and, these platforms like Udemy or Skillshare to start. But by the way, what, what you opened my mind up to right now was you could get pretty niche or pretty narrow and call it an online course. Like I always think an online course has to be huge. And then it feels overwhelming to me. Like here's my online course on investing. 
here's my online course on self-publishing. But, you know, you could take some narrow area like cold, cold emailing, you know, or, uh, you know, you could imagine an online course on, you know, I think of like, let's say podcasting there, you can make obviously an online course on podcasting, but you can also do an online course on how to prepare for, for an interview, a podcast guest. Yeah. Like that it's by itself could be an online course. You know, when you go do, so I have this intro to stand up course. And then I have another one, which is how to start a stand-up comedy, how to start your own stand-up comedy show. And what I want to do is if I can find two or three other things to build that out about, and there's interest, I'll put those together and then finally wrap that all together into the complete how to do stand-up comedy package. And then that goes on Thinkific, and I sell that for, instead of going and buying all of those courses each for $20, you can get the whole thing for 50 bucks. And now- well, How do you price, uh, how, how do you price things? Uh, I mean, Udemy does has some tools around this. Um, Skillshare is priced on royalty, so you pay. You know, as a Skillshare member, you pay a monthly fee and then get to watch kind of whatever you want, I guess. And then Skillshare pays you out based on minutes watched um, mm -hmm. of your course. So it's it's a little bit like Kindle Unlimited in that regard. Like there's a pool of money that gets distributed to everybody. Um, so each platform is kind of on its own, a different sort of way, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you know, you can build these things together. Like they can build up. I'm I'm already planning on taking all of my sales courses and bundling them together into a course to market to entrepreneurs and how the, here's how you build a sales development function in your company. Because a lot of consulting that I've done has been for entrepreneurs who start a business but are technicians and not salespeople. They don't really understand sales. So this is like these are all the basics you need to understand of how to put a sales department into your new company and things that you should think about. Well, and that's just going to be other courses I've created and then finally bundled together into a full thing. And by the way, that could be, um, a, 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 again, spoken wheel, like always to figure out what are the other opportunities that could be a, a whole different type of pricing, you know, like how to create a instantly profitable sales department uh, you know, and here's the full package and maybe you add some CRM type software to it, uh, maybe even pre-built software that you get affiliate fees on. And it's basically sales department in a box and you could charge $10,000 for that to, you know, companies that are just setting up their sales department. Oh, like easily. It doesn't have to be just, yeah. So, so there's lots of, uh, ways to kind of once you start doing this and getting the habit of making these courses, it seems like there's lots of ways to go. And, and uh, the main things I've learned is that a, it's pretty easy to make one and, and upload it and start monetizing it. Uh, and it's, you can go as niche as you want. And if it doesn't work, you could just, you know, replace it with a newer course. That's a little broader. Uh, you know, you don't have to do a course on, how to how to write a novel you could do one how to write a science fiction romance novella or whatever and and publish it on amazon whatever you can your courses could be as niche as you want uh i'm just even trying to think like what courses uh could i do that are super niche well definitely like every aspect of podcasting yeah. is like you could also course. do how to start a national conversation <laughs> yeah how to how to go viral and get uh uh, at least a 1 million people to hate, how to get 1 million people to hate you in, in 50 video lessons. <laughs> and, uh, uh, what other stuff I could be, I could guess, I mean, I, I, I've done so many different things I could talk about. So the thing is like, instead of doing, for instance, 
a, a course on day trading. I can do a course on very niche, like, uh, you know, value day trading or counter trend day, you know, something very specific or, uh, um, oh, and there's, I'm guarantee you there's an audience for it. Like no matter what there is, yeah. it's, there's going to be somebody there for it. Um, I hate to do this James, but I actually got to wrap up. Unfortunately. Uh, All right. No problem. Thank you for your time. I know I was late and you gave me great advice earlier. What's one tip for gestures when I'm on stage? I'm going, I'm going, um, uh, this is airing Friday on Saturday. I'm at the Birchmere comedy club in Alexandria, Virginia. I haven't done comedy in months. What's a, what's a good, uh, gesture I should do. Uh, I, what you need to do is, is wave your hand. You look like a wizard. So this is like you waving your hand, like you're casting a spell on the audience. That's the gesture I think is the funniest to watch you do, to be honest. <laughs> to watch me specifically. Yeah. <laughs> when do I do it? Do I do it in the beginning or do it in the end? You, I don't even you, know. Sometimes you do it in the beginning when you're explaining something and it's so funny, man. <laughs> All right, good. I'm going to remember that. And then, uh, one more. Okay, I'm using, uh, you know, I'm obviously try to use the Seinfeld material. I think that's a good idea or not because it's in Virginia. They might not even know. Uh, I think you need to mention it at least, but you need to test the waters for sure. And, yeah, and, all right. And, and, and it's so real to you that you are just, they're going to connect with your feelings because your feelings are so real and raw about it. Great. All right, well, thank you, Brendan Lemon, and keep in touch on this. Thanks so much again, guys. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.